First Corinthians chapter 12, we continue our short series on the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. Uh, and some of you might have very high expectations about what, what might follow. On the other hand, I will endeavor to do nothing more than to preach and interpret the Word of God, and therefore some might be a bit disappointed, purely because I think that this subject is so overinflated uh, within uh, Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches. I think that every church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a Pentecostal church in that sense of the word, that we are given the Holy Spirit and we are given gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's read then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 11 verses. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to teach one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, and another prophecy, and another distinguishing between spirits, and another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. May the Lord give us an insight and understanding of His Holy Word. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, dear brothers and sisters, we commenced a series about the spiritual gifts. This is in anticipation of the Pentecost, the time of specially, uh, where the church then specially think about the work of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Spirit upon His church. When we then looked at what we saw there is that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a heap of loose members. 
it is a body. We do not operate on our own. We know that we've got arms, or we know that we've got fingers, and we know that we've got noses, and we know we know all these things. But a nose and an arm and a finger can only be a working nose and a working arm and a working finger if it's attached to the body. And therefore, the the, the 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 church of the Lord Jesus Christ works as a body with Him as head, so that we are only when we are united to one another in Him. We are working as a church. So therefore, in the church, it is never about you, and it's never about me. It is always about us in our relationship with Christ and the way we live to His glory. Individualism in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not exist in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it is a sin. If I'm only existing for myself, and if what is happening in the church is not, in the first instance, what I want there, then I need to search my heart. It's always about us. It is always about the fact that we are called to be children of God as one body under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ to live to his glory. So that's the umbrella. That, that, that is the framework from which we look, and the Bible looks at the, the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> so we ask ourselves, what are spiritual gifts then? We can work out some sort of a definition. Now, there's a specific word in the Bible uh, to describe the gift. And uh, the Greek word for that is charismata. Now, this word operates in two fields. First of all, a broader meaning of what a gift is. And then a narrower meaning, meaning in the Bible referring to the spirit, uh, the, the gifts of the spirit. In the bro- broader meaning... Paul uses this word to express the gift of salvation. To Israel, it meant the adoption of sons, the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. We read about that in Romans chapter 9, 4. In Romans chapter 5, 15, the apostle states, but the gifts are not like, the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift, once again, the gift that come by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. It is then, in this sense, used as the gift of God to man, the gift of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's used in the same sense also in Romans chapter 6.23. When in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, the apostle says he wants to impart a spiritual gift to the church. He does not refer to some sort of gifts, of the same sort of gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14. He says, I wanted to visit you and I wanted to impart a gift to you. He says he wants to be there to benefit the flow of God's grace in the people to encourage them with the word of God and therefore 
if you take also uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you'd like to think that when we look at that, church leaders are gifts to the church. You might not think that way, but it is true. God gives certain people as a gift to his church so that they would help his church, that they would grow in the service of the Lord, encourage them so that they would look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul then says there in, in Romans chapter 1 and 11. He wants to come to them, to bring them a gift. That gift is that uh, ministry that he had preaching the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. But there's a narrower meaning of this word gift, and, and, and that is the one that we, found, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and right through to verse, uh, chapter 14. So one could say, if I want to make a, a definition of it, it is gifts in the Bible has something to do with our salvation, God's gift to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, Gifts in the form of people that he gives to, to edify his church. And then gifts that he gives to the people for them. So that they as a body would work better to the glory of the Lord under the headship of Jesus Christ. So that is what spiritual gifts are. I, I know that some people might have a different definition to that, but it is... I think fairly simple in the Bible. Now, where do the gifts come from? The reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, especially verses 4 to 6, our, our reading this morning, points to this unambiguous fact. The triune God is the author of, of the gifts to his church. The Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father are the source of the gifts. It would be wrong to emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit as of greater importance in this respect. If someone claims to have a spiritual gift, that gift is not a gift of the Holy Spirit only. Let's get that, let's get that clear, because that is, that is important in our day. There is a tendency in some charismatic churches to accentuate the work of the Spirit at the cost of the Father and the Son. As a matter of fact, there are some people in some churches who just openly declare that they don't actually need the Father anymore and the Son has done the work, so we are now living under the work of the Holy Spirit. We're driven by the Holy Spirit. That is wrong. It is not so. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always work together. In this sense, then, some people see the Spirit in spiritual gifts as something magical, something unreal, something airy-fairy, some, something phantom-like. You know, someone or something that appears to have power over someone but has no reality in it at all. Experience that in the Spirit in some cases have no practical value to the rest of the body of Christ and in many instances only serves the individual and it, the ecstatic experience of the power. You know, there are churches there who they are power churches. Now, we, we need to understand that 
indeed the Lord gives us power because it says there in the Bible that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Now that power is not some sort of thing, you know, makes make you some sort of power in, in the sense of the Bible is always uh, connected with enablement. You won't be powerful. You will just receive from God the enablement to do what he wants you to do. It might even be that some people only thrive on ecstatic experiences of so-called revelation, while purposeful Bible study as a mean, means of seeking the will of God to uh, a, a life of uh, greater obedience is blatantly neglected. Bible study without exper- ecstatic moments are then considered as painfully meaningless And other Christians who do not experience these ecstatic moments are considered to be spiritually dead or at least spiritually retarded. It's not true. While I'm saying this, we need to understand that if we are spiritually dead, if there's no joy in our worship, if there's no joy in the way in which we serve the Lord, there's something drastically wrong with us. Okay? Let's then take one side and, and not look at the other side of it. What are the purpose of the spiritual gifts? First of all, it is to the honor of God. Everything in the life of the church and in the life of any individual Christian or in the life of any church, must be to the honor of God. He is master of the universe. All our actions, our motives, and ideals must be to His glory. Remember, we are stewards of all creation, Psalm 8. Further, the gifts and the talents we receive are the masters. You you remember that as we read about that in Matthew chapter 25 and Luke 19. Because it belongs to him and because it should be used to his glory, everything we have, he is, has the right to call us to account one day. So it must be to his glory. What we have done with what he has given us should be to his glory. But the Bible has got another thing with spiritual gifts. It has to profit everyone in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7. You've got it there in the Bible as we read it this morning. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. The picture of the church as a body made up of many parts underscores the fact that no one exists for his own good. It flows in that God gave us spiritual gifts not to serve ourselves with, but to be to the benefit to the rest of the, of the rest of the body. Paul stresses this point in the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 12. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, he said, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. When it comes to this gift of the speaking in tongues, the argument quite often goes like this. It says, I speak in tongues because this way even the devil doesn't know what I'm praying. Have you heard that argument before? People say, when I'm speaking in tongues, when I pray in tongues, the devil doesn't understand what I'm, what I'm praying about. Now, well, that might be the case, but the point is, does your brother understand that? 
Because if your brother doesn't understand that, it is not for his good. Well, it might happen in, in private then. Yeah, well, that's another story. Will this argument stand against the rest of for the common good? Or is it just a spiritual or a personal advantage? The very fact that the interpreter is needed when someone speaks in tongues, according to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 14 verse 13, stresses the point that the gift of tongues can only be useful or profitable if it is aimed at the body as a whole. What's the point in speaking in tongues? In the church, and no one understands that. Someone has to understand that. So is there, if there's no one who understands, well, you have to have an interpreter. And that one interprets, and so it comes for the common good of the church. We'll come back to this verse, because I don't think that we always understand this verse according to what the Apostle Paul talks about that within the context. Therefore, the gifts that we have received are for the common good of all. I cannot use my gift for myself. It's always there for the others. Now, the question then, do we all get the same gifts? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of service. There are different kinds of working. The difference in these verses points to the variety of gifts. What brings all the gifts together is the fact that they are all given by God and that they all need to be used for the benefit of all of the body. And therefore, not all of us receive the same gifts. Some gifts are less prominent and others are more prominent. But all of them are equally important as each member of the body is needed to make the body function healthily. Okay? So, is it a sign of being born and driven by the Spirit that you would talk in tongues? Well, it might perhaps be for some. But if I don't have that gift... And that gift is not given to me, and I've been given another gift by the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the church. Then I can't measure myself against other people and say, well, I want that one because it, it, it looks more spectacular. To then say that you, that is a sign of the Spirit, and if you don't do that, for instance, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really a Christian. It's just plain not biblically correct. The question now arises, why the apostle in the verse, as we read that in verses 4 to 6, distinguish between gifts, service, and working? Three words there. There are gifts from the Holy Spirit, service or ministries or the roles of service with, from Christ, and the workings of, from the Father. I'll look this up and it seems to me that it would be not, not correct according to the theological dictionary which says there are simply different descriptions of the same thing. 
They are all operations of one God working as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These operations are, not, are supernatural, but not magical or mechanical. Only, a certain to, only, uh, only to a certain degree can the specific gifts m mentioned be defined and be distinguished. Not all of us have been given the same gifts. Not all of us have been given uh, the gifts for ourselves. It's given by God the Father, the God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for the building up of His church. <clears throat> now, did we all get the same gifts? No. Are we all gifted? Yes. Okay? Are we all gifted? Yes. Did we get the same gifts? No. In our salvation calling to the service, uh, to service and uh, perseverance of eternal life, the triune God is at work. Similarly, in the life of the church, the triune God is at work to glorify himself through the variety of gifts given to each member uh, of the body as a whole. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4.10, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Therefore, we, we know that all of us have been given gifts. What do we do with it? We have to use it for the glory of God so that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ would grow. Did all give the same portion? I wish, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift and the other has that gift. And he also writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it to, in proportion to his faith. It once again, the matter of variety pops up here. We have different gifts. Now, we have a phrase according to the grace given to us or in proportion to our faith. The word given there is also the meaning of appointed or assigned. We now know that by God, God appointed this gifts as he determines, but the, 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 the interesting fact is too, that not all of us have the same measure of the same gift. There's a variety in the variety. There's proportion. It describes that, the Greek word describes relationship of one part in relation to the rest. All believers received faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. But when Paul now uses this when he says that some might have the gift of prophecy, he wants us to know that not all are prophets and not all are, have the gift of prophecy in the same way. Not all of us are Billy Graham's. I, I look at that and I thank God that I've got the gift given to him, but my gift is not like that. And if I aspire to be like all the great preachers of the past and I don't get there, I'm only doing what God wants me to do. And if I can do that right, I, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy. You get people like Martin Luther. Martin Luther is specially gifted by God. What were his gifts? You think of it. He had a wonderful gift of, call it tongues. He could read and translate the Bible. You wouldn't believe it. 
He had another gift. He could preach that. He was a wonderful preacher. More than that, he was a wonderful teacher. He had the gift of teaching. He could, he, could, he could take young men and he could teach them and bring them into the knowledge of the Lord and teach them and provide, uh, provide for them an education. He had another gift. He was a wonderful gifted man. He could write hymns and he could write music and he could sing. What a gifted man he was. All of us are not gifted in the same way. And it might happen that we might, might receive a gift for the particular circumstance. Let's put it this way. You go to a church. Well, there's no Sunday school teacher there. And uh, you're the only one who might put your hand up and say, well, I've received a gift from the Lord to teach children. And you become a Sunday school teacher. And that's good. And you do it to the best of your ability to the glory of God. Next year, another family moves in. And you know what? There might be someone with a gift of Sunday school teacher, and we need to understand that someone might even be better than I am. What do I do then? I help that person. And if there's another thing for me to do, I might do that. Because we've got a variety of gifts. We've got a variety within the variety. And then the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit might give us gifts for a certain specific task which might end after that task is accomplished. And then we move on to do something else. Now the last question, do we play a part in the gifts we want? In other words, can I go to the Lord and say, well, I want that gift Well, certainly the Bible says we should strive for the gifts that are best. But it doesn't mean that I would necessarily get what I want. There's not, there's not conflict between the natural gift God gives us and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's get that straight. What I receive from God, even born in a state of sin are his gifts, which he then takes and he sanctifies that through the work of his Holy Spirit so that, let's say, I could sing when I, before I became a Christian and I sang all sorts of other things. I've come to the Lord. He's called me to himself. And now he wants me to use that gift for the glory of his name and for others around me. There is no conflict between natural gifts and the gifts of the Spirit. But I can't then say of the Lord, Lord, you know that now I've become a Christian and I, and I hear that person saying, I want that gift too. I don't know of anyone in history that was tone deaf before his repentance who've become a musician afterwards. Do you know of anyone of that kind? I don't know. But there are certain things that we might be blind to now that we don't know that we are good at unless we develop those things. Can I, can I just share with you something? 
You know what? Evangelism doesn't come naturally. I mean, you, I've, I've heard of someone who said, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, you wouldn't know unless you put it to the test. That is something that you have to practice. Unless you've really talked to people about their, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't know. Unless you've gone and knocked on doors a few times, you wouldn't know. And every time I knock on doors after so many years, I'm still scared stiff. It doesn't come naturally. But there are other things that you might in the end say, well, I've really put that to the test. I'd rather support those who do that. I'll do something else. As long as what I do is not for my own good only, but for the good of all of us involved. We need to understand that the Lord wants every one of us, as you sit there today, you've got a job in the church. Don't think that God made a mistake with you by calling you to be a part of the body and then he said, oh, I forgot to work out something for him or her. Do you think God will make that mistake? Do you think that God will give you a part of your body and then say, oh, I I forgot to tell the eye to look. It comes natural. God designs it that way. God designed it that way that you'd be part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. God designed it that you would have a job. The point is, are you doing it? Have you discovered that? Are you looking at the right places for doing that? Okay, may I say, may I say, dare say, and don't be angry with me when I say this. Say that in all pastoral love that I have. Might it be that some of us don't do anything because there are some others who are doing what I'm supposed to do. Right? Each one of us have been given a gift. I know the fellow who said, he goes to church, he can't do much there, but he thinks that the Lord has given him the gift of kissing. So he kisses every girl with a brotherly kiss, he says. And he was an annoyance to everyone around him. Of course, you would know that. That's not a gift. But there is something that the Lord wants you to discharge of as a gift. And we've not looked at this altogether. I mean, there's a lot to be said in the next chapter and another chapter of Romans chapter, uh, Romans, First uh, uh, Corinthians. But let's understand this today. God has gifted you through the Spirit for His glory to the benefit of His church. For the benefit of his church. The benefit of the church is to live us to the glory of God for us all to be built up in our most holy faith. It is not always ecstatic, these gifts, but if a church does not grow spiritually, it is not the, the we can't blame the Holy Spirit for it. We can only blame a church that is not doing its job. And I call upon you today, 
that you will really search yourself, ask God to reveal to you, not in a magical way, but in a real way, what is it that you must do to His glory and for the benefit of others. Next week, Lord willing, we will continue to more work out these gifts and how they applied in, in the church of Corinth. Let us pray. Our Father, we, <clears throat> we understand now that you have given us gifts. We understand now that we cannot and should not and never may be selfish. We also understand, Lord, that it was your plan that your church would work together as a body. We also understand that we need to be humble, but we also need to be confident. And therefore, Father, we pray that as we look at abuses of the term spiritual gifts, that as we find it in other groups of church people, that we will also understand that we may abuse that too because we do not work together as you want us to work together. Give us the grace. Give us repentance. Give us willingness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.